Today on Ag News Daily. In fact, coming down here, there were hogs jumping the fence just to get cookies <laughs> on their loins. I mean. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday, June 19th, 2017. I'm Mike Pearson, co-host of Ag News Daily here with Delaney Howell. Delaney, it's going to be a scorcher this weekend. Are you prepared? No, because we're sitting in my car right now to cut the podcast, and I'm already sweating. The sun is beating down. It is starting to heat up. This might be a quick news section. It might be. It might be. Well, speaking of news, Delaney, we spent the week at the World Pork Expo. We had a great conversations with a lot of innovators in the pork industry. And today, for news, we're going to talk to two very different people <laughs> in the world of agriculture, we aren't are. we? We are. We are talking to a former, your first employer. That's right. And we're also talking to a... A PhD, also a vet. He's got two different doctor titles, so yeah. Dr. Doctor. Dr. Squared, Paul Sunberg, right. will be joining us. And uh, Speed Herrig, uh, owner of Cookies Barbecue Sauce. Will, uh, those are who we're talking to today, two folks who influence the pork industry in different ways. That's right. But before we get to that, should we get to news so we can turn the air conditioning back on yes. in this vehicle? Well, what do you have for us, Eleni? What's well, sticking out at you? Well, speaking of weather, the U.S. Drought Monitor shows that most of the Dakotas are experiencing drought conditions. About 87% of North Dakota is in drought, while just over half of South Dakota is in drought. And so people there are not doing well. Roughly 700,000 people across both states are living in drought areas. That's right. I've seen posts on Twitter from uh, from some cattlemen and some row crop producers up there in the Dakotas that things are getting mighty dry. So we'll see how that plays out. We've already seen the market begin to respond a little bit to this, uh, this heat wave coming across the, uh, the central states today. We also had the USDA World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates released. We'll cover those just as we head into the markets. But as we look internationally, there's a little bit of news coming out of Brazil yet again today. Brazil, the top electoral court, is poised to acquit Michel Temer of basically illegal campaign funding. This is a case that's been proceeding for a little while. It is very different from the corruption charge, which is still proceeding against him as we, uh, we look to the future. So that's story one coming out of Brazil. The second story, mm-hmm. early Friday morning, Brazil's federal police raided, guess who, Delaney? JBS. JBS, you are correct. They raided the head office of JBS South America to investigate the alleged use of insider information in financial market dealings between April and May. So while the uh, the controversy, the corruption charges were ongoing, and uh, basically the shares reached a two-week intraday low on the confirmation police raided the company, and uh, it also raided their majority shareholder, FB Participasacasos. Sorry, <laughs> Brazilians. I don't know how to speak Portuguese still. Um, but it was their major shareholders' offices were also raided. So we will see how this all plays out. JBS had no immediate comment on the raids this morning. What else you got, Delaney? Mike, if we're going to report about Brazilian news, I feel like you need to learn Portuguese. I think you are probably correct. And uh, I do speak... Un poquito español, yeah. which is a Same. little Spanish, yep. but uh, it can't be that difficult, right? I Which don't means... know. I don't know how that ranks in a level of languages. I don't either. Uh, if anybody's got an extra copy of Rosetta Stone or <laughs> one of those other foreign language things, let me know. I'll uh, buy it at yard sale prices. <laughs> in other international news, authorities in central 
the central Indian state of, I'm going to butcher this name too because I don't speak Indian, um, Madhya Pradesh. That sounds like right. That? Okay. There is are, Hindi, is that the language in India? Or is Indian itself Hindu a language? Is, Hindi is, oh. I don't know. Hindu is a religion. Right. Hindi, I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, in this central state of India, farmers are in protest and revolt because of demanded loan waivers and higher crop prices. Um, the newly formed state of Uttar Pradesh decided to waive farm loans worth 363 rupees, billion rupees, which is equivalent to $5.6 billion for over 21.5 million farmers. So now farmers in other central Indian states are saying they also would like to have farm loans waived. Yeah, me too. (laughs) They just want fairer prices. They said that farmers should receive um, higher crop prices as much as 50% higher. So, well, I think uh, farmers in America would probably agree with that statement. We'd all love higher crop prices, and if protests work outside uh, my bank, I might just go down there and start bur- start burning a trash can to get my loans, you know, waived. Mm. But I don't think it works that way. At well, I think that their country. prices are probably not equivalent to what Americans get. No, uh, it's a lot of a uh, whole different uh, support structure for farmers when you get right. into India. Right. In this country, bringing it back to the shores of of, uh, America, a bipartisan group of lawmakers has introduced a bill aiming to reduce pollutants with a big influence on climate change. So they're not looking at carbon dioxide, which is alleged to be one of the main contributors to uh, climate change. They're looking at uh, black carbon, hydrofluorocarbons, or HFCs, and methane, and... um, you know, this is of interest to farmers, particularly cattlemen and dairy producers, as one of the one of the uh, causes or one of the main polluters of methane, as alleged by environmental groups, is of course the bovine species. Mm-hmm. Your cattle, after they eat and digest and ruminate on various things, they do fart and belch, and uh, those gases contain methane. So we'll see if this takes a turn to agriculture. Right now, they're looking at at oil and fossil fuel production of methane, not ag, but. We'll keep an eye on this, uh, should it ever move out of the House of Representatives. In other news, CNH held its 175th anniversary for Case IH and Case Construction Equipment. 175 years. Folks rolling in that red equipment. 1842, Case was founded in Rochester, Wisconsin. You know, Delaney, I've got a VAC case at home. Do you? I do. I had it running last summer. And it isn't running again, but maybe in honor of their uh, anniversary, I'll get it started this weekend. All right. Well, we have already equipment at my house. I remember one year, um, my mom texted me a picture of a manure spreader that was red and said, this was my Valentine's Day present. Oh, it's the yeah. only piece of equipment Case won't stand behind, mm. the manure spreader. Great. You get it? Yeah, I get You're it. You're not laughing. It's not really that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Well, I guess as long as we're on the topic of manure, we can keep the conversation in Washington, D.C. Hey-o, rimshot. Remember to tip your waitresses, ladies and gentlemen. We are hilarious at Ag News Daily. So uh, Trump officials are proposing that they will reconsider the protections to the greater sage-grouse, which went into effect last year. Now, this is uh, going to be an interesting balancing act because the Obama administration enacted policies 
that protected the sage grouse without forcing it to be listed under the Endangered Species Act. But um, a lot of the folks I've spoken to out in the western states said a lot of those policies that the Obama administration considered did not consider farmers and ranchers and did not consider production on these grounds where the sage grouse could live. So Ryan Zinke, the head of the mm-hmm. uh, Department of the Interior, is going to look at it again, and they're going to try to improve consistency among agencies like the Bureau of Land Management and Fish and Wildlife Services in enforcing whatever new policies they come up with. And Zinke said, quote, there's a lot of mistrust and anger out there about how the federal government is managing the lands and that we're not listening to the states and local communities, and that's something they're going to try to change. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Okay, the only other story I had for today so we can get out of this hot car is the ChemChina agreement has completed its second settlement of tenders offered for Syngenta. Um, They announced today that ChemChina tenders offers for Syngenta shareholders have tendered their shares, who have tendered their shares after May 4th received the consideration of 465 U.S. dollars per share, <laughs> and holders of the American Depository shares who tendered their ADSs received 93 U.S. dollars per ADS on June 7th. All right, so we are settling up. That process is about mm-hmm. completed there for ChemChina's takeover yep, of Syngenta. ChemChina acquired 94.7 percent of Syngenta's shares. In that aggregate. Oh, wow. So there's just a little bit outstanding. Yes. Seven odd percent. Six odd percent. Yep. All right. Well, with all that said, before we get into the markets, let's take a look at today's USDA WASDE report, the supply and demand report. Uh, neutral to bearish is the trades anticipation or is the trades expectation as we head into next week. On the corn side for old crop U.S. grain carryout, corn came in a little bit higher than trade estimates, but USDA kept it right in line with, with May's reporting. Uh, U.S. grain carryout, USDA says it's going to be 2.295 billion bushels for corn. It's going to be 450 million bushels for soybeans, so they raised it a little bit over their May projections. And in wheat, 1.161 billion bushels of wheat, again, a little bit higher than May, and uh, kind of shocked, or excuse me, did not shock the trade estimate. Guess what the trade estimate was for wheat wheat carryout? What? It was the same, 1.161 billion bushels, so right in line there. Not a whole big shock there. New crop carryouts, corn projected to be 2.11 billion bushels, same as their May projection, a little higher than trade estimate. Beans, 495 million bushels, about 15 million bushels higher than their May projection. Again, they are assuming some of these wheat, wet corn acres will get moved into beans. And on wheat, a little bit higher than the trade estimate, came in at 924 million bushels. The good news is we're dragging down, drawing down our wheat supplies. Looking down at the rest of the world, the uh, the move up was slightly smaller than I was anticipating, but a little bit larger than the trade was anticipating. It was in the Brazilian corn crop. USDA called it 97 million metric tons. Last month they called it 96, and the trade was anticipating 96.5 million in Brazilian soybeans. USDA in May figured it at 111 million metric tons. This month, they had it figured at 114 million metric tons, 2 million more than the average trade guess. So big shock there, but we didn't see it have much of an impact on the market as we look at growing conditions here in this country. 
So as we look over at the Chicago Board of Trade, corn futures, July finished up two cents, closed at 387 and three quarters. December corn up two and a quarter, finished the day at 406 even. In soybeans, the July contract climbed three and a half cents, finished at 941 and a half. The November bean contract up four and a half cents, finished at 948 and a quarter. Over in the wheat pit, July Chicago wheat dropped three and a half cents, finished the day at 4.45 and three quarters. December wheat dropped three and a quarter to end the day at 4.81 and one quarter. Looking into the world of livestock, volatile trade today, a little bit of both sides of unchanged. June live cattle finished the day at 131.25, dropping 12 and a half cents. August live cattle dropped 17 and a half cents to finish at 123.85. In feeder cattle, finally a positive day, the first since Wednesday's limit down day. August feeders climbed 22 and a half cents to close at 154.17 and a half. September feeders climbed 37 and a half cents to finish the day at 153.62 and a half. In Lean Hogs, to end the World Pork Expo today, Lean Hogs celebrated a little bit, I suppose, driven by the amount of demand that was going on with all that free pork being handed out. July Lean Hogs climbed 50 cents to close at 82.70. August Lean Hogs up 37 and a half, closed at 82.05. And in milk, the June Class 3 milk contract was unchanged on the day, finishing at 16.28. Well, Delaney, given that we've got a big conversation with two great folks in the world of pork, should we throw the conversation to Speed Herrig and hear what he has to say first? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, folks, we are here at the World Pork Expo, and I'm very excited. We are talking to my very first employer, <laughs> the man who got me started in the world of commerce, Mr. Cookie himself, Speed <laughs> Herrig. Speed, you're here at the World Pork Expo. How many years have you been here? Well, actually, I was here about uh, 10 years before it started, I think, but uh, no, this is like the uh, 29th year of it, and they had one year when there was, uh, they had disease problem with the hogs, and they didn't have it the one year, but otherwise, we've been here in the sauce every year. And in the sauce, tell a little people, tell, tell, tell a little bit about what Cookie's Barbecue Sauce is. Well, actually, this is our 40th anniversary. We've been in it uh, this many years, and uh, started out with 5,000 square foot, doing about 100 gallon a week. And today we can uh, do about 6,000 gallons a day in 125,000 square foot. So talking about getting into the sauce, we can do her. Are you in all 50 states? No, we're in 34. And if the other people clean up their lifestyle, they can have it too. <laughs> <laughs> now, Speed Barbecues, that's... Is that what you got your start in? Were you a passionate passionate guy for barbecue? Or well, how did cookies get started under well, Speed Herrick? Well, always, I'll tell you what, remember, Paul Bears don't get paid by the pound, so I'm a little bit heavy, so I've always <laughs> enjoyed eating, you know. But, uh, no, actually, I started out, uh, I'm a mechanic. I was an aircraft mechanic in the Navy. And then I uh, started building racing engines, uh, drove half-mile dirt track for a bunch of years. And then, uh, like 40 years ago, I, uh, uh, the opportunity come along to start uh, uh, promoting the barbecue sauce. There was a plant in Wall Lake and they were going to close it up and uh, so I took over sales and then uh, Judy and I ended up buying it out and uh, here we are 40 years later still in the sauce, you know, so. So is the barbecue sauce that consumers can buy today, is that your recipe? Uh, the original recipe was one by the guy by the name of L.D. Cook and uh, the rest of them are my, our son Jeff and mine. Uh, we come up with the rest of them and uh, so it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it just, uh, and I was uh, uh, really honored about five years ago. I was one of the first people 
a group of 12 that were inducted into the American Royal Barbecue Hall of Fame in Kansas City. So that was uh, quite an honor. So it's uh, it's been fun. Pretty impressive speed. Now, one of my favorite things about cookies is the flavor enhancer. And I was asking, just as we were walking around the fairgrounds here at the Pork Expo, everybody here is seasoning their pork. And a lot of it, of course, you know, they're not, they're awful cagey about it, but a lot of it smells like cookies flavor enhancer. How many pounds of pork do you think cookies help sell every year? Billions, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah trillions. Yeah, trillions of pounds. <laughs> in fact, coming down here, there were hogs jumping the fence just to get cookies <laughs> on their loins. I mean, it was, it was terrible. I mean, they were just, uh, they were jumping in the highway and everything, and it, and we loaded as many up as we could, you know. Yeah. And, and, and they tasted delicious here today. Well, yeah, they and, perfect. They, and they had the right to die for it, you know. I mean, it's why not? Don't you feel that way too? Yeah, exactly. And I like you were able to clean off most of the road rash by the well, time that you served them here. I think that was perfect. Well, yeah, a little bit of roadkill, and of course with cookies flavor enhancer. Right. As remember, smart cookies use cookies. That's right. You know. That's right. Makes possum taste like pork. It's yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> oh well, what's the future look like? Speed, you're 40 years in. What's the next 40 years look like? Well, I'm uh, 79, and uh, I've got my papers put in 61 more years, and they're going to let me go part-time at 140. Okay. And uh, then I figure I'm just doing like a 60-hour week then after at 140. Just really cutting back, but, focusing on the hobbies. But, Mike, it kind of hurt me. Somebody said, Speed, you're not going to make it to 140, and I'm trying to figure out what do they know that I don't know. Yeah. I mean, why would they tell me that I'm not going to make it to 140? Don't you think I'm going to make it to 140? Yeah, you, you eat a lot of meat. Yeah. You, you've you consumed enough alcohol, I would imagine, to keep your body fairly sterile. That's right. Let a clean life. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Godly man. I yep. mean, I think you're, yeah. I, I think I'm candidate. a candidate for 140. That's right. Do your and, children want to take over the business someday? Yeah, I've got uh, our oldest son, Brian, runs the automotive parts and golf cart end of it. And our youngest son, Jeff, runs a barbecue plant. And then uh, some of the grandkids uh, work for us, so uh, it'll be good. Uh, you know, I'm thinking 300 years down the road, I probably won't care, but, yeah. Yeah. you know. Do you guys have just the one plant? Yeah, we have one plant, then we ship to 34 states, mm -hmm. then we also ship to uh, three foreign countries. Wow. So, uh, Which foreign? Uh, Japan, Mexico, and Sweden. Really? Wow. Sweden? Yep. yep. How'd you get in over there? Well, you know what I mean. You know? <laughs> Oli, a few, just you know, just dropped a few Oli and Lena jokes <laughs> and you were in. Huh? I, talk, I talked to Oli a couple times and he said, well, Speed, I tell you what, you know. But yes, we'll have a little cookie sauce over here, huh? Don't you know? <laughs> and here we are. You there know? you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but it's it's been good. And then uh, we started selling down to Mexico, uh, Cowie Pork. Met them many years ago here at Pork Expo. And they liked our pro product. And the thing about cookies, we don't change the recipe. Our recipe is the original, still what we started with 40 years ago. And uh, we're gluten free. And, uh, you know, so anybody with celiac disease, mm -hmm. it's good. No MSG in the flavor enhancer. So good quality product. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the nice thing about it, if people buy too much, I'll be the first to stop them, <laughs> you know. Okay, Speed, we need a funny story about Mike since you've known him for a really long time. Well, I'll tell you what, I've trained Mike on many things, you know, and the biggest thing that I really take <laughs> pride in, and and uh, his dad verified it many times, uh, Mike's dad and I were real good friends, and uh, teach him how to put money in a cash register. Okay. And uh, when they were running the bowling alley, skating rink, <laughs> all that thing, and, and his dad said, just throw the money in the cash register, no, 
Mark said, Mike told me you can't do it that way. You got to face it all the same way because that's the way speed taught me. That's right. And so I'm really proud that uh, Mike stuck with it. There's a few other things that Mike and I experimented with that <laughs> we're not going to talk about. But that's right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think it's important speed. Now, I, I, I imagine you'd agree with me. If you can't serve as a good example for someone, you've got to serve as a warning. Well, you got to be the lighthouse alerting them of the rocky shores, and I think I've done that. Yeah, you, you've done that, and so have I. Yeah. yeah. As one has to walk in the ways of the sinners to be able to save them. That's right. I mean, your birth name isn't Speed, for example. <laughs> that, that came around, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Was it because you always drove the speed limit? No, it was the fastest, <laughs> I was the fastest through each class. <laughs> and, and, and in fact, in school, I was so far ahead of the rest of the kids, they'd have me leave school for three days at a time just so they could catch up. <laughs> For, for our listeners who are mostly in the United States, where can they find cookies, sauces, and seasonings? Uh, all your finer stores carry it. If they don't have it, it's not a finer store, and they shouldn't be in there anyway. But uh, they can go to our website, cookiesbbq.com, and uh, and all the Hy-Vees, Fairways, AWG stores, most super values. Like I say, all your finer stores carry it. But you can get it online, cookiesbbq.com. All right, Speed, thanks so much for talking to us. You betcha. Have a good one. Thanks again to Speed. Uh, he wouldn't share any dirt about Mike, but I'm sure I'll get some out of him sometime. There's no dirt to share. Speed is a saint. I am a saint. We're both right. outstanding individuals in our fields. All that being said, should we hear what Dr. Paul Sunberg has to say about the Swine Health Information Center? Yep. We are live again here at the World Pork Expo with Dr. Paul Sunberg, who is the executive director of the Swine Health Information Center. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do with SHIC? Sure. Well, um, the Swine Health Information Center was formed in 2015 uh, with a grant from the National Pork Board. They provided a one-time grant to be able to look over the hill and help predict the next PED that's going to come at us and then be better prepared for when that comes mm -hmm. and finally to help to coordinate a better industry response should that happen. So the Pork Board, the Board of Directors in 2015, give them credit, they were looking ahead and, and uh, looking to the future of how are we going to act now after our experience with PED rather than looking backwards and trying to say here's what happened and then go on with life. So this was formed for a five-year project in 2015 from the National Pork Board Prevention, preparedness, and response are the two th are the three things that we work on. Given that we're two years into the the Schick's existence, yep. how do you feel as far as being prepared for the next PED? Is there anything on the radar today that we should be nervous about? Well, uh, first let's talk about nervous. Um, I think there's plenty on the radar that we ought to be aware of. Um, we've been able to uncover some risks uh, that we've identified of, of bringing viruses into the country, bringing mm -hmm. diseases into the country. We think they're real and, and we think that uh, we have to act on those. The other part is though, we're probably not going to prevent it. Even if we know about it, the question of prevention is, gonna, is way up in the air. That's a very difficult thing to do and it may be an unrealistic expectation. What we need to make sure we do is, is identify the risks, try to mitigate them, make sure that we are as prepared as possible to be able to react once something comes. 
ideally we just stop everything from coming in but mm -hmm. it's kind of like buying insurance you don't know that it's that that you need it until it happens mm -hmm. and if you do prevent something god bless us we've done it but we probably won't know that we've done it exactly if you yeah. if that happens then nobody knows that then nobody knows exactly. it. that's right yes. what yeah. disease are you worried or how is disease being spread coming in from other countries yeah well we've looked at uh risk factors and uh, an example is when ped broke in 2013 uh, those of us who were sitting around the table the epidemiologists go gee this sure looks like there was some common input here that caused this to break on five different farms in five different states within two weeks that wasn't a transmission of from farm to farm type of thing mm -hmm. something in common was going on we suspected that it was something to do with the feed we didn't know that and there was no way that we could we could prove it but with time and with some fundings for some projects we found that feed imports may be a risk of introduction of mm. different viruses into the country. We've put, um, uh, we've funded projects with South Dakota State University and, and the Pipestone Research Group to put different viruses in different products that we know we're importing from China, for example, and test to see how long those products uh, can harbor the viruses, how long the viruses stay active under the conditions of shipment and that helps to uncover a little bit more information about perhaps how we might be getting some things into the country. Mm -hmm. We found that there are risks. Mm -hmm. There are things that, that get through. There are some that don't. And so the next step is we're looking to see how we can prevent. We're into the prevention mode and mitigate that. How we can, how we can address that risk and take it off the table, perhaps. Should producers then be concerned about buying feed from other countries? Yeah, at this point, not. At this point, not. We're at the spot where this is a model. It is also a theoretical risk. There's no, um, there's no hard evidence or okay. smoking gun mm -hmm. kind of thing. But it's, it's a risk enough. We think that the risk is enough that we're going to address it. Right now, for producers and buying products outside the country, the advice would be to talk to whoever their suppliers are about where they're getting the product and the type of product control and quality control that it goes through. That's really the best thing they can do right now. Within the next oh, probably four or five, six months for sure, we'll have way more information about things that we can do for that feed product to take even that risk out. Mm -hmm. Now, yesterday we had a conversation with Ken Mashoff, and he was discussing how in the Farm Bill negotiations this year, they'd like to see funding built up for essentially a vaccine bank yeah. that we could draw on uh, and have ready in case something should break. And yeah. his concern was hoof and mouth. Yeah. Is that something that Schick would be concerned with? Is that an avenue you pursue, or is that a different uh, different vein altogether? Yeah, so the, the center um, was formed to help fill the gaps that exists with the National Pork Board, National Pork Producers Council, and American Association of Swine Veterinarians. Um, if, you, if you have an analogy of the pork boards like an aircraft carrier, big, powerful, steaming down or moving down the water as fast as it can move, but it's hard to turn, and it takes, mm -hmm. it takes a while to turn. A lot of power there and a lot of, lot of emphasis, but it takes a bit to turn. And so the center was formed to be more like a PT boat. Go from this spot to that spot 
and make something happen and then go get the next mm -hmm. thing okay. and move about that way. So with FMD, um, the Pork Board has a program for foot and mouth disease. They have a foreign animal disease program and one of the things that that Schick is, is charged with is to make sure that we don't um, we don't duplicate something that's going on with somebody else. Now there are some things that we've done to help um, supplement that. Uh, an example of that is investigating the use of oral fluid samples in surveillance. We know that should we get foot and mouth disease in the country, we're going to have an eradication program. When we did an eradication program for pseudorabies, we did down-the-road testing and pulled blood samples and tested serum and all of that. We won't be. We just can't do that again. Just that, because the volume just would be, be too much. Just, just because of the manpower and okay. the volume and and the expense, the resources that went into that are, were tremendous. We can be much more efficient using oral fluids because that's the way we do a lot of our health surveillance now. Anyway, producers are very used to that, but USDA doesn't recognize it as a validated process. So one of the things that that Schick is doing is working with the pork board to together get USDA the information that they need in order to validate that process. That's an example of cooperation and collaboration working together and filling in those gaps. Hmm. I was wondering, come 2020, when the five-year uh, trial for the Swine Health Information Center is set to expire, do you anticipate this being a program that will continue? If you can show value, it'd be worth funding further? Yeah, so there's a couple of things there. One is that it's a five-year project. If there's value that, that the producers get from this, they'll want it to continue. And that'd be great. That'd be fine. And we're working toward that. My main goal isn't to make it perpetuate. My main goal is to give them a return on their investment. And if there's a return on in their investment that they appreciate, they might make it, make it have a longer life. That'll be up to them. But the other thing that we're trying to focus on with that 2020 goal is to um, fund projects and, and work to provide um, results that are more evergreen than even five years. I want to uh, work on things that are going to make a difference 5, 10, and 15 years from now. One of the examples of that is helping to coordinate and standardize the way that the, the diagnostic labs at the major universities um, uh, compile and report their test results. Each, each laboratory developed their own system for categorizing their test results. So if you put it in an Excel spreadsheet type of analogy, Iowa State might put it in cell A3, uh, the same test, and Minnesota might put it in D4. Huh. And so if you were going to try to look at that test across universities, you'd have a problem finding it. And you'd have a problem, you'd have, a, you'd have to hire a, a programmer and go through all the heavy lifting to try to find it and put it together. The universities recognized that, and they came together and said, let's see if we can do a better job and let's put it all in cell A3 okay. and standardize the way those things happen so we don't have to go through all that again. That's one of the things that the center's funded that's going to make a difference. It's yeah. going to make a difference five years from now, ten years from now, and, and 
for whatever disease that we're going to get in the future right. will be standardized and that'll help us respond much more right. much more efficiently you know we're in an era where big data the ability to yep. to amass massive quantities of data and then analyze it quickly is essential i'm i'm not a veterinarian yeah. i'm really surprised there isn't a coordinated area to do that already yeah. i'm glad that's something you're working on yeah isn't that something it really that, is. that that had never been thought of the, as right. as a need but that's something that with 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 working with usda with watching what happened with the outbreak of avian influenza okay. and with some pre-planning we go boy we've got to be able to do a better job yeah. in preparedness and response because something's going to come right and when it comes we've got to be able to address it quickly mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Sundberg, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day today at World Pork Expo to talk with us. This has been a really interesting conversation. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it, and I hope that that helped. Again, a big thank you to Dr. Sundberg, and we will continue our interview and conversation with him for a special Saturday morning edition, so be sure to tune in tomorrow morning. That's exactly right. Be sure to tune in. Keep those uh, downloads subscribed to so you can get it right to your podcast whenever we post it tomorrow morning. And uh, in the meantime, folks, check out our website at agnewsdaily.com. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. And Delaney, what am I forgetting? I think that's it. Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.